Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And for this episode, I would like to begin with a quotation from a man named D.T. Niles. This is what he said. Evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. I really like that. And one reason why is that it places the emphasis in its proper place when it comes to preaching and teaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Oftentimes we find ourselves placing way too much importance upon the one doing the preaching or the teaching. But the real important thing is the bread. The real important thing is the message being taught. It is just like Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5, where we find that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Remember, my friends, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, according to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. I want to try address evangelism in this episode, using Mr. Niles' quote as the impetus for the various points I would like to make. For instance, one beggar cannot give life to another beggar, but one beggar can tell another where to find the life-sustaining bread. That's what takes place in the spreading of the gospel. It is the gospel that is the source of eternal life. It is the gospel that can make a dead person alive. In John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. In the same context, in verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Consequently, it is a very big deal when we give someone the opportunity to hear the words of truth and soberness, because when we do, we are presenting the very bread of life to them. And it doesn't matter if it is a preacher from a pulpit in a worship service, on the radio or television, or a sister talking to her neighbor over the fence in the backyard. It is presenting the life-giving bread of life, one beggar to another. Then those who hear the truth can take the decision to obey the gospel, to be a Christian, and feed upon that word that it might nourish them spiritually all the days of their life. Remember the words of the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. He wrote, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is obeyed. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. We should also understand that just because one beggar tells another where the bread is, that does not mean that the second beggar has automatically been filled. It becomes the choice of the second beggar to find the bread and eat it. 
If he refuses to go or refuses to eat, that beggar will starve, but the first beggar will not be responsible for it. This principle of teaching others was made abundantly clear by God in such cases as when he spoke to Ezekiel about being a watchman and warning people of the spiritual danger when they refused to respond to God's word. Looking at Ezekiel chapter 3 verses 17 through 19 we find God said, Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you do not warn him or speak out to warn the wicked from his wicked way that he may live, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you have warned the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered yourself. Down in verse 21 of the same chapter we find, However, if you have warned the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning, and you have delivered yourself. God told Ezekiel that he would be free from guilt as long as he had properly warned the people, as long as he had properly fulfilled the task that God had given him. So shall we. In very much the same way, Paul told the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, verses 26 and 27, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Do you remember what Paul told the Jews in Corinth in Acts 18 and verse 6? When he presented Jesus as a Christ to them, the response was resistance and blasphemy. So Paul said, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From now on I shall go to the Gentiles. He had done what was his responsibility and duty to do. One beggar had told other beggars. If the first beggar does not tell the second beggar where to find the very sustenance of life, it is very probable that the second will starve. That is why God told Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 18 that if he did not speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the wicked man would die in his iniquity but his blood would be, at least in part, upon Ezekiel's head. It is up to the teacher to teach. It is up to us, the people who have the bread of life. It is up to the taught as to whether or not they will obey it. No one will ever know if the beggar would have gone to the bread if he's never told where it is. Our job is to give them the opportunity to serve God or not. As an elder, I often find myself reflecting upon Hebrews 13 and verse 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. I recognize that I am going to have to give an account related to my performance concerning my responsibilities toward each and every soul here. But what about overall as a Christian? Haven't we all, to a certain extent, been given the responsibility to at least present the opportunity to all that we can? Will we not all have to answer for how seriously we took our obligation? As we look once again at the quote from Mr. Niles, wouldn't the first beggar be motivated by love and concern for the other? If not, he would not have told him about the bread. The question we must ask is, do I love people enough to tell them the truth? A failure to tell people what to do is not love. 
it is really hatred when you get right down to it. Maybe it's not a conscious hatred, but it is a hatred of neglect. I've spent a great deal of time studying the life of Christ, and I'm always touched by the number of times the Lord was said to have had compassion on others. By the way, that's nine times. Or how many times it is said that he loved them. Yet he clearly condemned sin that was so prevalent in the lives of the people, and he offered them himself the bread of life that they would not perish. Can we say that we are walking in the footsteps of Jesus? Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. If we are, then it means that we have love enough to tell all others the truth. It means that we are to hate even the garment polluted by the flesh, as Jude 23 tells us, one beggar to another. Are we spending our time, any of our time, teaching and spreading the gospel as we should? Consider the simplicity of the act of evangelism. At its most basic, it is one person speaking to another about the most important subject. Wouldn't bread carry a great deal of importance in the mind of a starving beggar? Well, how much more ought the gospel of Christ be of importance to those who are described in the following way in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12? Paul wrote of the Ephesians before they became Christians in this manner. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. We have got to get busy and tell people what they need to know in order to be saved. We have got to get busy and tell others about the Lord's church, the body of people to which they will be added when they obey the gospel and are saved. All of us can remember what we did to be saved, what we know the Bible teaches to be truth. Therefore, all of us can tell that to someone else in order that he or she might know what to do to be saved and take advantage of the bread of life. That is the simplicity of evangelism. And it is what we find people doing throughout the book of Acts. The early saints in Jerusalem scattered because of persecution went about preaching the word according to Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Even when Paul was on trial and forced to defend himself, he took those occasions to tell people what he had done to be saved. This evangelistic attitude was apparently so pervasive among many of the first century brethren that in a letter written some 25 to 30 years after the church was established, Paul wrote these words in Colossians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Down in verse 23, we find, If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that, I, that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. We can do this today if we just have the faith that the gospel has the power to do what God said it can do, save souls. How many people, within the hearing of my voice, have yet to be given the opportunity to hear the truth, just one beggar to another. Something else that I would like to mention about evangelism that fits into the illustration of the quote 
is that evangelism is exclusive. Let me explain what I mean. When a beggar tells another that bread is to be given out at a house, let's say my house, 1538 Woodside Drive, that that is where it is found, not at 1222 Maplewood Drive. To preach and set forth Christ, we have to be clear where the truth is found. In spreading the gospel, people must know that there is only one. If teaching is contrary to the Bible, it is wrong. Many churches now teach that homosexuality is okay. No, it is not. If the Bible teaches that there is one church that belongs to Christ, that is the truth. If we see in its pages that there is only one way of salvation, then all other ways different from it cannot be right. The truth is we must recognize the exclusive nature of evangelism and not apologize for it but truly be thankful that God has given his simple plan by which all men can be saved and go to heaven when this life is over. We can be thankful that God has given us the bread of life to enjoy ourselves and to share with all others, one beggar to another. Finally, even though one beggar may tell another where to find bread, if the one who has been told allows others to mislead him and cause him to go elsewhere, he's not going to find the bread. Satan will do just that. There is an enemy to evangelism. In Luke chapter 8, verses 11 and 12, in a portion of the Lord's explanation of the parable of the sower, we are told, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, and those beside the roads are those who have heard them, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Well, if people today listen to the gospel, but then allow friends, experiences, prejudices, opinions of others, or just plain old-fashioned false teaching lead them away from the bread of life, they will die in their sins. That is a terrible thought. That is a horrific tragedy. But it is true. We have an enemy in the work of evangelism, and we must be ever vigilant against him. Peter told us in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. My friends, let us love in truth and tell people where the bread of life is to be found and take advantage of it in order that we may be saved before it is too late. Let us remember that evangelism is really a matter of one beggar to another. Thanks for listening.